Hey everyone, Artisan here, or Carlos, or whatever you know me as. Um, so I, I posted last week on social media that I was getting a new microphone, and this is the microphone you know being used now currently. Uh, but what happened the next day was my MacBook that I I had like a I think it was a 2015 MacBook Pro. Uh, so it you know it's gotten a lot of usage, a lot of mileage, and it. I don't, I don't want to say it finally gave out because it still functions, but many of the like ordinary tasks that I would do on there are just not accessible at a reasonable speed anymore. Like um, the, the singles reviews for this past week, I did those through that MacBook and what, what would normally be like a, maybe like a 45 minute process to actually put the graphics together, sometimes less than that. Uh, it took me like two to three hours to actually get everything going. And I, I was willing to kind of just push through and use that. But I I, w- I would have much rather had something new that could actually benefit me in this platform because I want to invest in this platform. It's not just something that I'm doing as a hobby or it's a hobby right now. But in the long run, ultimately, I would like for it to be something much larger than that. So I thought, you know, if I want to take this seriously, let me try investing in it. So I went and got a new MacBook Pro, and I, this thing is fucking phenomenal. Uh, I was able to finish all of the album reviews and scenic overlook through that uh, at a much faster pace than I normally would. And now I'm recording uh, this episode on this Mac for the first time, along with this microphone. So this was just a really long-winded way for me to say that Investing in technology for the purpose of this platform is probably ideal, and it's what I should have been doing a while back, but better late than never, I suppose, right? Alright, so, um, that was just kind of some regular, I guess, housekeeping stuff. Uh, what do we got on this episode? So, there are a bunch of fucking singles, um, Crown the Empire, Andres, um, I'm struggling, oh, Iceland Kills, like, how the fuck did I forget that? Um, Machine Gun Kelly, a uh, bunch of others that we're going to go over, and then records from, I don't even fucking remember off the top of my head, uh, Caskets, If I Die First, Lorna Shore, Black Bear, Trash Boat, Afterlife, Slard to Prevail, Unwell, Lonely Spring, I don't think that was it, but that's all that I can remember, um, actually, let me go ahead and just look at my phone, it, it, it'll take, you know, a couple seconds, uh, oh, Spirit Breaker, that's the one I was forgetting, Spirit Breaker. Uh, so we got albums or records from all those artists and a bunch of other shit we're going to talk about. So, yeah, thank you. Believe me, it's not lost on me how random the inclusion of that track was just now. Uh, so that's what I'm intending to be using as intro music going forward. That was uh, the Engine Labs music from Crash Team Racing or Nitro Field, if that's how you discover that game. Uh, what ties does it have to this music scene? It's fucking none. Uh, I just think it's a really cool song and uh, something that I've kind of been envisioning as an intro i just never really took the time to implement it but uh that's the plan moving forward like i said 
So to properly start off the episode, I'm going to go through uh, just a handful of the singles from last week, not all of them, because I don't want to take up too much time. Uh, and I'm going to start with my favorite of the singles last week, that being Assault and Batteries by Ice Nine Kills. This is the second song the band has released so far off of The Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorville, out on October 15th. Uh, the first song was about a month ago, it was Hip to be Scared, which was based on American Psycho. This time, Assault and Batteries is based on Chucky. Uh, you know, as in, like, the fucking creepy doll, Chucky. And j- just... God, man. Th- this song further proves everything that I knew about Ice Nine Kills, which is, like, how in tune they are with their gimmick, with what the fan base wants out of them. Um, Assault and Batteries, even if you don't fuck with Chucky, like, the lyrics here are just I- insane. Like, um, after the first chorus, you can hear a child saying, like, Mommy, Mommy, my doll's alive, which kind of broke me i don't know why uh and then on the opposite end of that the lyricism along with sometimes being funny is also just really fucking dark with and without context uh so the chorus you know starts off with you won't ever grow up you won't make it past six because this two foot tall demonic doll will make you his bitch and just like you know this narrative of like telling uh, you know a child you're not going to live because this doll is going to fucking kill you is so malevolent yet it works and that's kind of twisted to say but it just works in the song i honestly think that i like assault and batteries more than hip to be scared and i just i cannot fucking wait for this record come october i i just know ice on kills are gonna just no pun intended kill it uh like they always do the second single that i want to talk about today is in another life by crown the empire featuring courtney laplante from spirit box uh, I believe the song was announced last Monday, and, you know, uh, I was just over the moon about it because I fucking love Crown the Empire. And then, sometime thereafter, uh, it was revealed that Courtney was on the track, and I was like, oh, like, this is what we're doing. This is how it's gonna go. And just, god, the, the, the sheer thought of, like, a superpower entity like Crown the Empire times Spirit Box, essentially, is just fucking mind-blowing and then the song itself lived up to every expectation that i had for it uh i would say that it's a little bit heavier than what you would have heard on sudden sky not too much but uh it, it goes if you're into like that metalcore style of crown the empire as opposed to what they did on say retrograde then you know the song is right up your alley uh i for one will not tolerate any retrograde slander you can fucking miss me with that shit I love Retrograde. I will always love Retrograde. I will be Retrograde's number one defender for the rest of my life, but that's a conversation for another time. This time, it's about In Another Life. Um, the pre-chorus I especially love, it's Andy kind of like taking over the vocals from Monk, who was screaming on the, the, the verses. And then that goes into the chorus, which, uh, like any Crown the Empire chorus, is just giant and magnificent and arena-ready. Courtney comes in on the second chorus, gives her own touch, and then you know, that breaks out into the breakdown. I, I would say, as far as, like, Courtney's execution of it, it's similar to what you have heard on Blessed Be by Spearbox. And everything just ties together so, so well. I am eager for more Crown the Empire. Even after getting this song, I'm like, I want more Crown the Empire. I will always just anticipate more Crown the Empire every single time. Get Enough by Volumes. This is the third or, or fourth? No, it, it's the fourth. This is the fourth track released by the band since the return of Michael Barr into the lineup last 
year, early in, in 2020, I think it was. Uh, and, and honestly, this one might be my favorite of that group as of right now. Um, I, I would have to go back and listen to the other ones uh, to kind of formulate a stronger opinion. But just like listening to Get Enough for the last couple of days, I am fucking taken aback by how much I like it. Um, I'm not like huge on, on volumes the way that I think a lot of other people are, but I acknowledge that when when they hit, they fucking hit. And like the, the just the Michael Barr comeback has been nothing but hits in my opinion. Um, I think the the dynamic between himself and Mike Terry is one of my favorites in the entire scene. Um, they they just they make magic, dude. They work so well together. Uh, and this song highlights that even further. You know the the screams from Mike Terry in the verses, and then the cleans from Michael Barr in the chorus, and they kind of sound like two different songs, but they still have so much unison in their parts, and it, it's astounding. I. You know, I, I would have to imagine that there was a, a planned Volumes album at some point last year, but, you know, pandemic stuff, understandable why that hasn't happened yet. Um, I, I would just hope that there is there is a bigger project lined up for this band sooner than later. Andres released the song Shit Could Be Worse, and this is uh, the second single from the album Adventures of a DIY Astronaut, which is coming out on October 1st. Um... Who told this guy to write this fucking song? Who told him that he could? Because, and that's just me being like sarcastic, but I I look at the lyrics for the song and I'm like, dog, this is like way, way too close to home. Um, just some of these lyrics, like, um, I lost myself when I stopped caring that you started dating other men. And, and then right after that, it's like 26 ain't going quite like I thought it would. And... I, myself, am 26, uh, I, uh, talk in, in a toxic way, admittedly a toxic way, I relate to a lot of the bitterness present in this song, and then, uh, you go to the chorus and it says, shit could be worse, we could be dead, there's beauty in life, we're dancing, my friend, um, and it, it's, it's such a, a downer of a song, yet, um, I'm trying to figure out the way to describe the sound of it because it's not what you would think it is, like, uh, at least matching to the lyrics. It's like alternative with jazz, with R&B influences, all mixed into this one really weird, dark package. And then the music video for it, it's like Andres is like um, on a stand in a courtroom and Big Bird is the judge for whatever reason. Um, I just, I, 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 I kind of am at a loss for words for this song because it really really caught me off guard but i for as for as much as i wish i didn't relate to it i cannot stop listening to it i love this song i think everything that andres is doing right now is incredible and i cannot wait to hear adventures of a diy astronaut and just real quick if the name of the artist was lost on anybody listening to this it's andres a-n-d-r-e-s I apologize for being Spanish and pronouncing his name as you're supposed to. Uh, Robbie Rodriguez from Dayseeker was featured on the song Colorblind by Adventure Club and Nerco. Uh, they are EDM artists, so, you know, it's an EDM track that Rory lays over just incredible vocals. And anything Rory does, like, is just uh, uh, unparalleled in my opinion. I think he is one of the most talented vocalists in the scene today. 
Um, and, and him contributing to an EDM song is very much like what, you know, other people might have heard through like, um, Keizo or Kaizo. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name, but like what he's done before with having like, um, you know, EDM songs and bringing in different scene vocalists to be part of. This is kind of along the same lines. Um, the, the buildup, Rory is immaculate in his delivery with that. And then just the EDM track itself, instrumentally, it's, kind of captivating in my opinion and then the drop is very very effective uh i am a sucker for those kinds of drops in edm songs where it, it's like very like emotional and it's not like so in your face with all these noises it's just very like tame and mellow and it just lets you kind of relax and envision whatever it is you want to to this almost somber like tone um yeah i, I thought this was a great collab there are two new Idola songs. Uh, both are off of The Architect, which is out on September 17th. Hidden Worship and Perennial Philosophy. Uh, I prefer Perennial Philosophy between the two songs. Uh, this one is more in line with like a swan chord kind of sound. Um, it's like, like just like this instrumental, um, like showcase, I guess is one way to put it, where like, you know, everything stands out. I can point out like, Hey, here's some, some really cool like piano moments. Here's a really cool bass moment. Here's some really cool drum moments, really cool guitar moments. And then the whole song itself is like just this one like, connective, like cool moment on vocals. And like, I don't know what I'm saying, dude. Um, it's just Idola is really fucking good. And the song is sick. And I do prefer it to Counterfeit Shrines, which was the prior single. And then Hidden Worship, it, it's a lot more atmospheric, I guess. Um, it's all meant to build up to this heavy section in the middle where um it i don't want to say it's like a metalcore sound but it's just very aggressive uh and then it like it d descends back into the like somber atmospheric tone that was present uh, in the initial build-up of the track um I, I think uh taking these two singles and combining them with counterfeit shrines we are seeing a ton of versatility on the part of idola and on a day like September 17th, where they need to do everything that they can to stand out, I think they're doing a fantastic job at that so far. There's also a brand new single from Machine Gun Kelly called Papercut. Um, I, I, I'm sure everybody has, you know, their own opinions about MGK and his contributions to the scene. You know, whether you look at him in a positive light or a negative light, I... I, I, I kind of lie somewhere in the middle. I, I understand both perspectives. If anything, I think I'm a little bit, like, more okay with him than some people are. Um, and I, I by no means think that he is, like, this, like, you know, savior or some idol. But I do think that his music is either fairly decent or great in the case of some songs. Uh, and Papercut kind of leans toward being great, in my opinion. Uh, it's takes a lot of inspiration from Brain Stew by Green Day. Um, I, I can't really say anything good about that song. I don't particularly like it, but I do like what MGK did on Papercut here. It, it, it kind of like feels a little bit like 90s uh, with some sides of like more alternative and grunge than anything that was on Ticket to My Downfall and the pop punk sound that that record was very much so grounded in. I just think MGK is kind of showing off a little bit more of like what he can do as far as like a rock based sound goes. Not, I by no means expect whatever his next record is going to be to stick straight to just this one 
you know, 90s sound that I've been describing, I think he is going to do something that is a lot more in line with what he had been doing previously. Like, uh, there was that song with Kellen Quinn a couple months ago, Love Race, which that's a pop punk song. So I, I think he's going to try and find some kind of a balance between, you know, these two different takes on pop punk and alternative rock, whatever you want to say he's doing. Um, but yeah, I have nothing bad to say about this new MGK song. I really, really like it. There was a brand new track from Poor Stacy called Party at the Cemetery. Uh, I think Poor Stacy is one of the brightest talents in the scene going, at least as far as like people who, or, or somebody who people might not be as familiar with, which is kind of crazy because he has over a million listeners on Spotify. Yeah, I feel like his name doesn't really show up like on, you know, conversations on social media as much as some other artists uh, who like you would consider to be his contemporaries. Um, but Party at the Cemetery kind of, I would say it goes down like a different route than any of his other tracks. This one, it's almost like show tunes-esque at certain points, and then mixing that with like uh, elements of post-hardcore. I-, I think the best way, at least that I can think of to describe this song would be A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, Panic at the Disco, mixed with like a little bit of that post-hardcore sound that was prevalent in other areas of the scene at that point in the mid-2000s. Just really, really cool track. And I'm pretty sure Poor Stacy is at some point soon going to have a collab out with Ollie Sykes. Ollie has gassed him up uh, several times on social media, so that is for sure something to look forward to. The last of the singles I liked that I'm going to be talking about extensively on this episode is Revive by Landless. This song features Jay Cusetta, Cuchetta, I'm not really sure how to say that, uh, who is the vocalist of Skywalker. I didn't know about Landless until like the start of this year. I think it was back in February. They had a song called Nobody, which I was very, very high on. And then they proceeded to follow that with a couple of other singles that I am just equally as big a fan of. Uh, Revive might be my favorite of their singles so far, though. This one, it's very just like straightforward contemporary metalcore. Uh, but when I say that, I don't mean like generic metalcore. I mean like the kind of metalcore that you know, is very accessible and just accessible yet done so fucking well. I would say, like, I liken this song to what, like, Of Mice and Men or Dayseeker are currently doing. Uh, and then in the, the bridge, uh, Jay comes in with his screams and just really adds, like, a whole new dimension to the song that wasn't really there on any of Lailis's other singles this year so far. Uh, just a very, very cool song. I am very much so anticipating whatever is going to come from landless camp whether that be an ep or an album at some point soon so just very briefly i'm going to go over the rest of the singles from last week that i said on social media i liked torch by blackfell brides in all by blanket featuring kadeem france from loathe balboa by blind channel south paul by bouquet smoke by classic jack introspection loading by dead awake Brainwash Broadcast by Dragged Under featuring Spencer Chamberlain from Under Oath. Uncomfortably Numb by Everest. S slash slash R by Get Bent. The Range Follows Me by Hawthorne Heights. Die Alone by Isotopes. Black Dress by Last Night Saved My Life featuring Michaela Delgado from Yours Truly. Backwards by MNYS. Voyager by No Eye Has Seen. The Walls by Pridelands. Go Fuck Yourself by Royal and the Serpent, My Nightmare by Shaded, Freebird by Super American, 
If it's cool with you, I'm cool with being through by this wildlife. Robot soft exorcism by thrice. And fly again by turnstile. The only single from last week that I really didn't like was Feast of Fire by Trivium, but honestly, I could have predicted that. Uh, Trivium is one of those bands that, you know, I very much so liked at one point when I was younger, but the last few album cycles just haven't done anything for me. They're in the same category as like Avenged Sevenfold or Atreyu or Kill Switch Engage, where I either liked or loved their older work, but, you know, some of their more recent stuff just... Nah, I'm okay. So now I'm going to proceed into last week's records. And man, these are some fucking records, yo. Uh, so yeah, get situated. This might take a while. I'm not going to take... I, I don't want to take too much time, I should say. But I do want to just adequately get across my thoughts on all 10 of these releases from last week. Um, there are four of those 10 that are all in contention for my favorite. I haven't really been able to pick amongst them. So I'm going to save those four for the end. And I'm going to start with a record that I gave a perfect score to uh, in my reviews on social media. But I know for a fact it's not my favorite of last week's releases. And I'll get into why I feel that way. The EP and I Return to Nothingness by Lorna Shore. Um... I briefly talked about Lorna Shore on the episode for the top artists of June, but I'll go ahead and still briefly recap uh, the history of the band up until this point. Uh, so and initially they had Tom Barber on vocals. Uh, Tom Barber proceeded to leave for Chelsea Grin. Uh, and then after that, Lorna Shore picked up CJ McCreary, who was on vocals for the album Immortal. Uh, that record dropped in January of 2020, but shortly before its release, uh, CJ was kicked out of the band for some allegations that were brought up against him. And, you know, throughout the pandemic, the band had been pretty quiet. They weren't doing anything. I mean, granted, no band was really doing anything. But Lauren Shore, you know, didn't have any new music. There wasn't really news about a new vocalist uh, until this past June when Will Ramos from Monument of a Memory and I... I'm having trouble remembering what his other band was, but my point is that he did have a background in, you know, scene music. He wasn't just some rando that Lorna Shore picked up and expected us to, you know, already be familiar with. Uh, so Will came on and they released the first single to And I Return to Nothingness, which was To the Hellfire. And I, I think To the Hellfire is one of the most talked about songs in scene music so far this year. It had like, I don't want to say it went viral on TikTok, but it, it it got some traction there. It was doing really well. Uh, the streaming numbers for that, I believe it's either already or close to being the band's most streamed song. I'm going to go ahead and check real quick just so I can have that uh, that knowledge on here. Let me see. Lauren Shore, Spotify. Um, it, it, it surpassed Immortal to be their most streamed song. So literally in two months, To The Hellfire has accumulated as of right now 4.6 million streams. And that is exceptional, I think. That is just, for a deathcore band specifically, that is fucking tremendous. Uh, and a band that, you know, is still, I would say, getting their name. They only have about 458,000 listeners on Spotify. Um... The YouTube views, I'm going to check real quick what they're doing on YouTube, uh, as far as, like, numbers and all that shit goes. Uh, 
well, the, the best gauge of this would be to look up just uh, how well to the Hellfire is doing. Uh, oh, there was also a big song for um, reactions. Okay, so it has 3 million views. Uh, the, the official video has 3 million views on Century Media Records' YouTube channel. Uh, the other thing that happened with To The Hellfire is it became a big reaction song on YouTube uh, in the same way that, like, um, uh, what was it called? Um, Hypa Hypa by Eskimo Callboy and Holy Roller by Spearbox were last year. Uh, a lot of people are posting their reactions to the song on YouTube. And I guess specifically what people are reacting to is the ending of that song because it goes into the gnarliest fucking breakdown I've ever heard in my life. The, the sounds that Will makes uh, throughout this whole EP, but like the ending to, to the Hellfire specifically, like, God, man, I, I hope we all aspire to be as good at something as Lorna Shore are at finding vocalists who can use their screams to just emulate death. Because that's what it sounds like. Dude is just like, like sonically begging for his life it, it sounds like and it just it, it's so memorable even if you don't fuck with deathcore music listen to the ending of to the hellfire it's gonna stick with you you will never forget what that sounds like you might never forget where you were when you first heard it it is so impactful and effective and was the perfect lead single for this ep and one of the best lead singles of the entire year i would say um the ep only has two extra songs of the Abyss and the title track and I Return to Nothingness. Of the Abyss, uh, you know, it, it's pretty standard for Alona Shore, I would say, at least like what from what was established as being expected off of uh To the Hellfire. It's a great song, and just further instances of like when this band like goes into breakdowns, they fucking break that shit down, you know. It, it is crazy. And then and I return to nothingness is like it, it has like this atmosphere to it and it feels very like symphonic and, and the the ending of it is literally just a symphony and it, it feels so like apoplectic and as if it was like the soundtrack to the armageddon it is everything that i could have asked for out of this band it is everything i could have asked for from a deathcore release the reason i know for a fact it's not my favorite release of last week is because just length in general you know three songs i can't really compare that to you know eps that have like six or seven songs or records that you know surpass 10 songs um but still the, the substance that is here it is loaded and i think whatever learner shore are going to do at this point or from this point on i should say they are a fucking dangerous band if they put out a full length next year or you know in 2023 like, they've got me. As long as they still have, like, this core sound that they've established on And I Return to Nothingness, I really think there's nothing this band can't do. Uh, like, whatever they set their mind to, they're gonna fucking do it. They have the vocalist, they have the, you know, instrumentation from the rest of the band, they have the listeners, they're, they're growing an audience. Lorna Shore are in as perfect of a spot as any band could be, as far as, like, being able to grow. And... You just love to see it, man. I I hope for nothing but the best for Lorna Shore going on. Okay, what should I talk about next? Um, I'm going to talk about the new EP from Lonely Spring called... Let me just make sure I get this, uh, get this correct. Change the Waters, Volume 2, Our Sad Weather Hearts. That's kind of a mouthful. 
so this is the follow-up to the first installment of this, what I'm assuming is an EP series. It was Change the Waters Volume 1, The Art of Being Miserable, and that only came out back on June 25th. So roughly almost two months separating uh, these two volumes. Uh, there are four songs here. I would say that Lonely Spring uh, are predominantly pop-punk. Um, maybe a little bit like of um, a, like a, I'm gonna, I was gonna say lesser state champs, and I don't mean that in quality, I just mean that, like, the elements that I can hear in certain state champ songs are there, not, like, on a high production end, though. I think the production on this EP is a little bit rough around the edges, and that kind of works to its advantage, not so much a detriment. Um, you know, it, it does sound kind of, not, not kind of, I would say, it sounds very DIY, which I, I, I do like. Um, so, you, uh, start stuff with, Hello, um, which is stylized kind of uh, strangely. It's like hell and then O in parentheses, so it's like hell or hello. Kind of clever and cute, honestly. Um, a pretty straightforward pop punk song. I, I very much you know was was digging that track. Uh, December, which is the second track. I'm gonna say this, and I don't know like what kind of sonic tones this would give someone. Um, as far as like being able to paint a picture. December sounds like a country song with, like, pop-punk slash emo vocals. Kind of weird, but that was just, like, you know, the vibe that I got from it. And then uh, you have the, kind of the title track, Change the Waters, and then Honesty are the last uh, two songs on this EP. And they, they kind of, like, explore more of, like, the pop-punk stuff I've been talking about. What I will say, though, is that none of these songs here sound the same. Like, I can hear hello and differentiate, like, okay, that's hello, which, uh, with some pop-punk releases, and kind of releases in any genre for that matter, like, they they tend to be a little bit too formulaic, and every song kind of blends together. What I will say is, for four songs, they all stand out. They all have their own unique traits, and I thought that was just, you know, very well executed on the part of Lonely Spring. While the songs, I, I like all of them, and I just said that they're all unique and have their own quirks. I don't necessarily know if any of them stand out. Like, I didn't come out of this EP and think, oh, let me go back and listen to this song, or let me go back and listen to this song. And granted, that might be because this was an incredibly stacked week. So on a like on a week with not so much happening, maybe I would have gone back to this EP more than I did. But I still want to give Lonely Spring the credit that I think they deserve. They They've shown a lot of promise so far. I I want to see more volumes out of, you know, this EP series. I think they've got something here. Just, you know, flushing out some of these ideas a little bit further. And this can definitely be a ban on, you know, a lot of people's lips. We got a brand new and what looks to potentially be the debut EP from Unwell called New Moons. Uh, this is the discovery of the week for myself personally. I didn't know about Unwell before the, uh, the release of this EP last Friday. Um, there are seven songs on this release, four of which had already been released as singles, and, you know, somehow all of them just passed me by. I, I didn't know about them, had never come across them, never saw any discourse about them on Twitter, uh, in any fashion. Unwell was such an unknown entity to me, I don't even really know how I, I came across this EP, uh, but obviously I did, and I just added it to the list of things to talk about this week without even really knowing what it was going to sound like. The artwork, I I, th- I think pretty much like, I don't, you know, the whole like, judge a book by its cover or whatever. Sometimes that actually 
ends up working out for you in music, I guess. I don't fucking know, man. Uh, but I looked at the artwork for this EP, and I was kind of able to decipher that it was going to be in the realm of pop punk. And ultimately, yeah, that that is what it is. Um, if I had to make a comparison or like a, you know, a four fans of sort of thing, I would say if you like the story so far, then you, I, I would bet that you would fucking love this EP. I think they did a stellar job at selling themselves on, uh, on, on this release, on these tracks. The opening song, Solstice, uh, it was a single like two or three weeks ago at this point. It is phenomenal. I, I, I cannot stress enough how good Solstice is. It is like not straightforward pop punk. It is just a very uh, effective pop punk, aggressive pop punk wh- while still being so catchy and accessible. And then, you know, that goes into the, the rest of the tracks, Carve and then Tightrope. Like the things I take out of these songs are how massive the choruses are like they for a band that i'm assuming is like a a younger newer band they've got it fucking down man they know who they are they know themselves they know the sound that they're trying to get across and they do it exceptionally well in my opinion um you know uh equinox and then friends change which features oliver baxter these songs just they hit man like they are everything that you could ask for out of like a young fresh band in the scene uh what i will say is that the penultimate song uh bouquet of withered flowers i i i do like the song i do enjoy it i think it, it it's kind of strange when you think about like the flow of the ep up to that point it, it's a softer more acoustic based track and I'm, I'm all for that i again like i said i do like the song i don't really know if it fit with what this ep was going for but i do appreciate it being there because it does allow you to see different dimensions to Unwell. And I guess in that sense, you know, it, it, it was the right choice to put it on here. I just kind of thought it it, it interrupted the the sequence slightly. And, and maybe that was the takeaway I had from it and why I didn't give it a perfect score. At least I can't recall giving it a perfect score. I want to say I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, which, you know, the rating system is what it is, you know. The rating system is what it is, and it's kind of just for me to gauge like where I stood on these releases. Um, but y- you cannot go wrong with listening to Unwell. Whether you actually like pop punk or not, I think New Moons is a, a great EP. It is such a-, a fantastic start to this band's career, and I implore anyone who is a fan of the genre and possibly not a fan of the genre, uh, you know, give this EP a chance. You, you, you might like it. I. I, I love it personally. I think it's great. There is the first Spirit Breaker album in four years, although it's the first for me because I didn't know about this band until last week. I think it was last week. I, I honestly do feel like I've seen this band's name pop up before, um, but I never really just considered giving them a chance or never really cared to. That, that's probably like a dick way to put it, but um, it, it was one of those like, you know, in one year out the other kind of things as far as like hearing about the band um but moving on to the album spirit breaker new album uh kira nada um this was uh, released on solid state records and i would say that if you're familiar with like what solid state usually put out then you ha- already have a good idea of what this album sounds like i don't want to say generic metalcore because 
I, I don't think that's what it is. I hear this album and I, like, there's a lot of substance there, more so than I would say on, like, you know, an average metalcore release, at least as far as, like, what I perceive generic metalcore to be. The opening song here, Stardust Memory, is the most interesting thing to happen on the entire record. It's the most different song. It, it's like, it, it's just like this, you know, like, three minute build up that you would think is meant to be an interlude but it's kind of its own dedicated track and just the way that's delivered i know i might be stumbling over my words but stardust memory was just an experience it was something that you know even after finishing this record i was like that's what stood out to me the most that is what i want to go back to and i've gone back to that song so many times because it's it gave me something that i couldn't pull out of pretty much any other track from any artist I listened to last week. And and just to briefly give an example of some of the lyricism found in that song, In awe I sit and wait, hoping love would take hold and perpetuate something sound and concrete inside of me, now monochrome slowly ceasing to be. Do you color me? Oh God, you color me. Like, like this is some genuine, like, poetry shit. I loved everything about this track. Uh, from there, you definitely get, you know, what you would expect and and maybe what you're looking for. The way that I would personally describe Spirit Breaker, at least off of this record, is Bury Tomorrow if I liked them. Um, and you know, that's, I don't really like Bury Tomorrow. Granted, they're going to be moving on with a a new vocalist at some point, but like Buried Morrow's style is not really for me, but I think Spirit Breaker take those concepts and just like like craft this this project that speaks to me in a way that something like Buried Tomorrow didn't. And I can also pick up like hints of For the Falling Dreams throughout this. And again, this record speaks to me more than anything that For the Falling Dreams have ever done has been able to. The 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 penultimate song, The Mountain Between Us, is the like second peak of the record i would say behind stardust memory i think that is a massive song you know it's, it's got a ton of life and energy to it um i i would even say like it not entirely but i would say that if you're into all our gods have abandoned us by architects there's some of that flair there not a ton you know i'm, I'm not going to say that this is like an architect's kind of record but i can hear bits and pieces of them there and that shouldn't be surprising given like how influential architects have been on the entire metalcore scene. But Spirit Breaker, you know, take all these different concepts and I think they put together a, a project that they should be very proud of. And I think any, you know, metalcore fan who is after something or maybe not after something like very straightforward, um, but, you know, just has a tolerance for that kind of style. This is an album that I would 100% recommend and I don't think you'd be let down by it. Alright, let's just go off the deep end now. The brand new Slaughter to Prevail album called Costalum. Costalum. I don't think I ever actually learned how to pronounce that word, but uh, it's the title for the new Slaughter to Prevail album. That's all that's really important here. Um, So, I I don't know how many people would have seen this, but there was a disturbing movie iceberg that went viral on twitter for those who don't know an iceberg chart is like this chart that usually has like eight tiers on it the top tier being the most prevalent information for whatever the topic is and then the lowest tier being like the most hidden or unknown information uh 
for that topic. Um, and the disturbing movie Iceberg, you know, it breaks movies into eight tiers, and the top tier is like your average horror film, and then the bottom tier is like a bunch of like snuff and gore porn kind of stuff. Uh, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because I think this record is the sonic equivalent to that chart. And I, I, I mean that because, you know, this album is just so fucking in your face and brutal. And it's everything that I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, especially off of like some of the singles like Demolisher, uh, Baba Yaga, Zavali Ibalo. I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think it actually translates to shut the fuck up. I could be wrong. And that's probably like a rough translation that I found. But, um, yeah. Those singles very much so painted the picture for what uh, Costalum was going to be. Uh, and even when you immediately press play on the opening track, Bonebreaker, like you get this like short build up and you're like, okay, I know what's going to come. And then it, it just in your fucking face, Deathcore, that never ever lets up. It, it is just unrelentingly heavy, unapologetically heavy. Uh, Sorry to Prevail just, you know, like, like I think I've said this about a couple of other bands already on this episode, but they just know who they are they know what their image is they know what their fan base wants and they give it to them and i think that's kind of beautiful uh and there's beauty in the malevolence that you can hear throughout this record uh the song you're only was a a little bit of a i i guess a detour from what i had been hearing on this album up until that point uh your only features clean singing that in my opinion, I don't think is necessarily good. It's kind of just weird to me, and I feel like it was only implemented there so that it, it stands out from the rest of the, the songs. And granted, it works in that in that regard. It does stand out from the rest of the songs, just maybe not for you know the best of reasons. I, I still like the song, don't get me wrong, but um, I, I just think the clean singing there w- was very, very out of place. Um... And just, you know, you go into the rest of these tracks, like, and, and everything hits, man. I, I talk about the singles, and I talk about Boombreaker. Fucking Made in Russia, I Killed a Man, Ouroboros, Head on a Plate, like, all of these songs, you know, if you're after that, like, disgusting, brutal side of Deathcore, then this is a record for you. And I, I would say that what separates this from the other Deathcore release I talked about already, that being Lorna Shore, is... and. and you know, take this as a compliment to Lorna Shore and or an insult to Slaughter Prevail. I, I think what Lorna Shore's uh, brand of Deathcore does is that it shows you Deathcore done intelligently. And that's not me to say that, like, there's nothing intelligent about what Slaughter Prevail did because, I, you know, there is intelligence here. It's structured very well instrumentally. It is just gnarly as fuck. Um, but I think... Um, I'm trying to figure out the way to word this. I think if you listen to, like, the album, you know, halfway through, you kind of heard the remainder half outside of Your Only. It, it It's an album that I don't necessarily know if it rewards you for sticking with it. I just think that if you're looking for that deathcore sound, something that's just, like, so in your face and, like, not censored, then you'll be pleasantly surprised. Or not pleasantly surprised. You'll be pleasantly greeted with this record um but if you're kind of just still like getting your feet wet in deathcore i think you can hear a couple of the tracks here and you kind of have the idea of what the rest of the record sounds like um all all that being said i still 100 percent 
you know, recommend this to anyone who is into deathcore. I think this is just a, a you know, this is the genre done incredibly well. There are some slight you know, mishaps here and there, but nothing that I really took out on the record because I still gave it a 9.5 out of 10. I think it is a near flawless deathcore release with, with just like only like, you know, one minor weird, uh, like, decision that I wouldn't have gone with. But either way, Slaughter to Prevail, Custom, go listen to it. Next, I'm going to get into the new Afterlife record called Part of Me. Um, uh, just as like, I guess, lore for Ulterior, this is uh, actually kind of a special release because uh, one of the singles on this record, Burn It Down, was actually the first single that I ever reviewed on both social media as well as this podcast. So I, I guess for me personally, it's really cool to be able to like see this whole platform through to the point where I could talk about you know, that single all the way back in April, and then now go over the full-length album here, like, you know, middle towards the end of August. Jesus Christ, end of August. This, that's, what, what, whatever, time is, um, time isn't real anyways, it's all an illusion. Uh, Afterlife, though, that's not an illusion. Th- this band fucks. <laughs> I'm just gonna come out and say it now. Um, I have, I- I've warmed up to this record a lot the last couple days you know i i I loved it when i reviewed it i I think i went with like a a 9.5 out of 10 on the scoring system um i i don't think i would change it to a 10 but it it has every right to you know be bumped up those 0.5 uh you know systems whatever um the way that i would describe this record to someone who has never heard of afterlife before is i would cite two artists as being the ones i was able to pull the most from the sound here wage war and nothing nowhere if you've heard of both wage war and nothing nowhere before you would know that they have nothing to do with each other they are like as far apart on the scene scale as any two acts can possibly be and, and that's what makes this such an interesting release because it takes these ideas that i wouldn't have thought would work well together yet it, it finds that balance so it's like you know the record is like bookended by wasting time as the opener and then chasing the high as the closer and those are two songs that you know i, I could easily envision being played on sirius xm octane like you know they just have like that like core alternative like metal core sound that I think j- just works. And, and when a band like Afterlife is doing it, especially, it just fucking works, dude. Um, it, and then it goes into Envy as a second track, largely the same as what I've just been describing. And, and I think by that, by the, by that part of the record, the second song in, I was able to say to myself, all right, this is something that I'm going to have to be paying a lot of attention to because two songs in, it is, you know, captivating me in a way that I wasn't really expecting. I think Misfit Anthem, the third song, is probably my least favorite, but at the same time, it's also the shortest at, you know, two minutes, ten seconds, so there's really nothing lost there. It's still a good song, just the one that I gravitate toward the least compared to everything else. Uh, And there was a single called Part of Me that I think kind of summarizes the record uh, almost to a T. That one, you know, just a straightforward alternative sound 
it's very, very easy to get into. Very catchy as well. Just a lot of energy in that song. Miles Away was released as a single a couple days before the record dropped. I didn't hear it at that time, though. I waited until I had the whole album with me. Miles Away is where that Nothing Nowhere side of what I've been saying really, really shines through. That song is basically like like a mixture of like pop with like hip-hop and there's like electronic elements thrown in. Uh, that song is incredible. It, it's very much so easily my favorite track on this record. I cannot get enough of Miles Away. I think it, it's just the best instance here of the versatility being shown on the part of afterlife and, and just you know knowing that like this band can pretty much do whatever it is that they set their mind to and they're really not that far into their careers i this is not their first record i'm gonna check when their 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 debut was i want to say it was like 2019 uh yeah 2019 oh wait no no that was that an ep or was that a record that was a record a, a full-length album i mean okay so this would be their second album um, and, and they, their discography goes back to 2017. So, you know, they are still building themselves up. They're building an audience. And I think part of me is a record that is going to do wonders for them in that regard. I think this is definitely a band that has every reason to get to, you know, that echelon where we're talking about them in, in the same vein, I, I potentially like a, a band like Wage War and then maybe like you know, throwing Fit for a King and I Prevail and these kinds of, like, bigger metalcore scene acts. Yes, I called I Prevail metalcore. Um, just just bear with me here. Uh, I, I could easily envision Afterlife getting to, to that point in their careers where we're looking at them in the same limelight as those bands and they're getting on, you know, touring lineups with bands of that caliber. It's just, like, I, I feel like we're we're witnessing, I don't want to say the beginning of, like, a band's ascent because it's not the beginning but this is a huge step forward for afterlife and like i said i have grown to love this album even more than i did initially it is fantastic i cannot recommend it enough to just anyone really i think it, like the, the, the metalcore tracks here are accessible enough and then a song like miles away i, I think is just tailor-made for anyone's music taste afterlife really fucking shine through in this record they outdid themselves i am so happy to have been able to hear this record all right so now there are four records left to talk about and i said at the top of the records reviews that there were four from last week that i can't really decipher a favorite from just yet because i think all of them are these perfect immaculate releases that all accomplish different things like very different things and they are all honestly achievements for the scene maybe that's like a stretch of a term to use but that's just honestly how strongly i feel about all four of these records i'm gonna talk about right now the debut album from caskets called lost souls uh so this is following up their ep from a couple of years ago is 2018 or 2019 i can't remember exactly but it was called ghosts like you and that was a release that like immediately showed that there's a ton of promise and potential in caskets who at the time were called captives uh there was some legal shit uh you know a while back with some foreign band that had ownership of the name captives or some some bullshit like that i've never heard of uh that band um i honestly kind of don't wish them well considering uh what they did to uh, you know the former captives now caskets 
And, but, but really that move uh, of having to change the name and like while that, you know, sucked and definitely, you know, caused some issues as far as like, um, you know, search engine optimization goes and just rebranding, you know, all of your past, uh, like artwork and material to say caskets, you know, it, it really did not hurt them in the long run. They just, you know, pushed on and released an outstanding record that I cannot recommend enough to everyone listening to this. Um, so having said all that, I'm going to say something that might, uh, come across to some people as insulting, but I, I promise it's not an insult. If anything, it's a compliment. Caskets sound like their favorite song ever is Avalanche by Bring Me the Horizon. Now, that is not to say that every song on here sounds like Avalanche. What I'm saying is that every song on here reminds me of Avalanche and the elements that make up that song. And when I think of Avalanche, I think of, you know, a giant arena and having this, like, radio-ready song that it just resonates with everyone and the crowd sings all those lyrics back to Ollie. That's what I think of when I think of Avalanche. And every song on Caskets just reminds me of everything that makes up a song like Avalanche. It is, every song here hits. Everything is big and massive and catchy. And, you know, maybe that could be seen as like a detriment to some people because the album, it follows a pattern of like having more singles than a, a cohesive record per se. And that that's the same pattern that records like Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, uh, That's the Spirit by Bring Me the Horizon, Priorities by Don Broco, To Better Days by Slaves. Those records all have, you know, though that thread in common. But also, just on a personal note, those are four of my favorite records in history. And I don't think it's impossible for me to look at Lost Souls in that same limelight at some point soon. Just, the caskets just came out and delivered on everything that they intended to. Uh, you know, you open with the one-two punch of The Only Ones and Glass Heart, which were singles previously. Glass Heart having been the lead single, it came out back in December. And that song immediately cemented this as one of my most anticipated releases of 2021. The Only Ones, it, it just the perfect opener. It still hits the same way that it did when it dropped as a single. Uh, the third track on here, Hold Me Now, is just like a a showcase of every, you know, aspect of this band, but also just the lyricism. And uh, I'm going to read off, uh, you know, one of the the parts here on the song. Hearts breaking, I'm aching for me to find my home again. I'm shaking, thoughts racing. Please, God, don't let this be the end. I keep knocking on the same old door to no answer. I've been here before. I'm holding out, but I still want more. Hold me now. And not just like the lyricism as far as like the content goes, but also the delivery of those lines and just every line in the song every line on this record matt flood is an exceptional vocalist and like one of the standouts of the scene right now and you know I i'm assuming that whenever people think of like you know the best uh like vocalists in the scene right now the names that come to mind are like courtney laplante lucas woodland rory rodriguez tillian pearson i want matt flood in that conversation i think he just uh, delivers on this record in a way that you can't help but be proud of as a consumer because you are hearing somebody give their all to, you know, put out this quality work that you, the audience, uh, you as a listener can resonate with and take and, and make it your own. He just in, in a league of his own on this record, in my opinion.
Uh, Clarity is one of my favorite songs on this album, and it's just maybe along with Glass Heart, maybe the catchiest, the one that like I can like you know catch myself singing along to the most. The, maybe the one that I went back to the most over the last week or so. Uh, Hopes and Dreams is the most different song on the record. It's you know primarily built as like a slower, softer, almost ballad-like entity that it still packs every bit of ferocity and punch as the rest of the material here. Uh, Drowned in Emotion dropped as a single last week. That song, it, it just massive. All the elements that, you know, comprise that song, like, it, it ran the risk of being cluttered, yet it just came out as this cohesive work that I cannot get enough of. Um, you know, and, and then, like, look at the, the closing track, Nothing to Hide. It, it's, like, almost this, like, cathartic release in a way at least that's what i interpret because the final line to that song and thus the final line to the entire album is believe me i've got nothing to hide from you leave me i've got nothing to hide from you as if matt is telling the listener like he has poured everything out over the course of 11 tracks and that like you know he opened himself up and became vulnerable for us and that is just it's beautiful man that's big reason why i gravitate toward music so much and why i love this medium the way that i do lost souls just reminded me of why i am as big a fan of music as i am not just like scene music but just music in general lost souls is a perfect record and caskets a hundred percent deserve their flowers and y'all better fucking give it to them the new if i die first ep called they drew blood is not actually a record that I can recommend to everybody the same way that I have been recommending all this other shit so far. Um, and that's because They Drew Blood, and really all of If I Die First's material, was made for a very specific audience. An audience that is probably really, really niche, even for our scene. Um, and that audience being like the fans of 2000s post-hardcore slash emo slash screamo. I want to establish that screamo is not like a real genre name, but it's a term that I think if I use it, it gets across like what this sound is to even the average person. So let's just go with that. This is a screamo record, like at heart. Um, so there, there's nobody listening to this who knew me on a personal level, you know, in middle school and high school. But uh, I, w- I want to say now that in those years of my adolescence, I was that emo kid like whatever you think of visually whenever you think of emo or scene or hot topic or warp tour that's the kind of person that i was at the time um i still am at heart but i'm talking about like aesthetically in this sense you know i was that kid who every morning before school i straightened my hair i wore the tightest jeans possible i wore those band t-shirts with like the cartoon gore on them i you know, was putting, like, all this, like, crazy screamo shit as, like, my MySpace music. I was heavily into, like, that MySpace, uh, you know, subsection of the scene. That's the kind of person that I was, and that person is who They Drew Blood was made for. Uh, You know, this channels every bit of, like, from first to last, um, early, census fail, under oath, bless the fall, the Devil Wars Prada, that kind of stuff. If anything I'm saying, like, sounds familiar to you, you know what the sound of this EP is, and really all of If I Die First's material. They had an EP uh, about a little over a year ago at this point uh, called My Poison Arms. That was their debut. 
and then they had the split with um if with um not if i die first um sea space cowboy back in may i believe it was and you know this band knows who they are they know their sound they know their audience and they they achieve everything that they set out to and for a band that is meant to be a throwback that is incredible in my opinion the other thing that stands out about if i die first for anyone who doesn't know is that it's a super group so it's made up of you know uh emo hip-hop artists lil lotus and lil zubin the guitarist from from first to last travis richter uh, a producer named nabard nadarb my bad and nolan nunez and kale sane who play as part of ghost main band so, you know, this is a band that, you know, they formed and already had a ton of talent uh, individually in their own projects. And then with If I Die First, they combine everything that makes them so unique and just put out this I- incredible body of work. Uh, the first single for this EP came out a few weeks back. It was Walking Razor's Edge, which actually features Connie from Sea Space Cowboy. Uh, you know, it, it's only like a minute, 50 seconds long or something like that. And it just... It gets straight to the point. It let you know what this EP was about, what it's going to sound like. And that serves as the perfect opener, in my opinion. And then it goes into the second track, Just Another Body at the Bottom of the Lake, which is my favorite song of this whole collection. And maybe one of my favorite songs of the entire year so far. It just, it resonates with me. It hits me. It, you know, checks every, you know, nostalgia box that I would look for in a project like this that is built on Screamo. Um... The band also, you know, do that thing that screamo bands from back then used to do where they gave these these song titles or they gave songs like these ridiculously obscenely long titles that probably don't really mean anything, but they're just there for fun. Or maybe they do mean something and I'm giving If I Die First less credit than I should be. You know, so along with just another body at the bottom of the lake, you've got people like me, people like you make people like me disappear. And then time moves faster when you're dancing in a graveyard. And everything here, like I said, just, you know... It triggers all of that nostalgia. Uh, track four, 40 Days and 40 Nights, is initially built like a- an acoustic emo song, really reminding me of Emily by From First to Last. And just, you know, I, it, th- this record takes me back, man. And it, it, it I, I'm so appreciative that there can be a band like If I Die First that is not only putting out this kind of music, but it, it is putting out this kind of music and doing it exceptionally fucking well. If I first are so good, everybody in this band brings just a specialty to this supergroup, and I cannot say enough good things about Danger Blood. But again, it's not a release that I can recommend to everyone. So if you are into that like 2000s emo post hardcore screamo shit, then go check this out. It's absolutely for you. If not, that's fine. You know, everybody has their own taste. It's totally acceptable if this is not something for you. But I think this is a perfect record that I'm going to hold really close to my heart for the remainder of time. There are certain artists who I take a great pleasure in being able to talk about and gossip on this show, and one of them is Black Bear. I haven't had a ton of opportunities so far in the duration of this podcast over the last couple months, but I finally have it now through his new EP called Misery Lake. So, I feel like this EP has been teased for a while now, because I remember seeing the name Misery Lake just, you know, show up on social media, even before I knew that it was uh, attached to a future project uh, from Black Bear. And the entire thing kind of started to come to fruition back when 
You Love You with uh, that features Tate McRae was released as the lead single. I I was just infatuated infatuated with that song the way that I am pretty much everything Blackbird does. This is his first like extended release since Everything Means Nothing from last year, which that record, you know, I, I remember going into it's just like a quick tangent. I remember going into that record and thinking like this is the Hot Girl Bummer record. No matter what's on this fucking release, I will always know of it as the Hot Girl Bummer record. And then I Feel Bad came along, and it, now I look at it as like the I Feel Bad record. I, I Feel Bad stands as my favorite Blackbird song ever. I, I think it is just I- I- immeasurable, and it truly does define that release. <clears throat> and, and I guess one of the reasons I'm mentioning that is because I feel similarly right now about the opening song to Misery, like Alone in a Room Full of People. I think that is one of the, that, that has one of the strongest and catchiest hooks ever in a Black Bear song. It is so just singable. It, it, it just, it, it gets stuck in your head, man. That fucking hook. It, it <clears throat> sorry. It works. And, you, you know, that's all you could ultimately ask for for anything is just it, that it works. Uh, then it goes into At My Worst, which was, uh, the second single for this release. You know, and then, uh, track four, Ghost Town, featuring Sasha Alex Sloan. And, you know, this is just like a- another instance. The same with, uh, You Love You, featuring Tay McRae. I, you know, e- exposure for these people who I wasn't familiar with prior. I didn't know about Tay McRae. I also didn't know about Sasha Alex Sloan, but I can say that they, their contributions to this EP were, incredible in my opinion i I think they added great dimensions that you know otherwise wouldn't have been there this still would have been a perfect release but they kind of just accentuated what i love about misery like so much track five i am you like just the the letters i and then m and then u features travis barker and you know i could sit here and say that like the market when it comes to travis barker's songs at this point is like oversaturated and even if that's true I ain't heard a, a Travis Barker feature this year that I didn't fuck with. Even that Escape the Fate song that was off of their garbage record, I really, really liked. So, you, you know, this was, I, I would say, a pretty good get for, for Black Bear. The Closer Bad Day kind of has, like, a, a, a bit more of a trap influence uh, in its instrumentation. At least that's what I was able to, like, pick apart from it that differentiates it from the rest of the material on this EP. And, and just overall, man, Black Bear continues to be the most consistent artist in the entire scene like i really really believe that at at least like at the rate that he puts out material and the fact that it it is never a a letdown i never hear a blackbird song and i'm like oh man i wish that was a little bit better i wish i had this thing that you know maybe was missing i think blackbear executes every a concept and idea with the prowess of a fucking megastar an iconic megastar that i I want to be I, i i want him to be like just you know, I was going to say well-known, but he's already really fucking well-known, yet it still feels like not enough people talk about Black Bear, and that's crazy given how popular he is. I, I just want Black Bear to be, you know, even even further along in his uh, career than he already is, and I I have no doubt, no doubt that that's what is going to happen. He's going to continue to put out just banger after banger after banger, and, you know, for the time being, Misery Lake serves as just the, the the perfect note for his stellar career so far and now i am finally at the last album that i have uh for today's episode that being don't you feel amazing by trash boat 
and I had said like you know of uh, the last few records, so that being um, Caskets, If I Die First, Black Bear, and now Trash Boat. I can't pick a favorite out of them. But the reason why I'm talking about Trash Boat last is because my favorite song from last week is on this record, and I'll talk about that at the end of this review. So right off the bat, I do want to uh, just express one, just one complaint about Don't You Feel Amazing. And it's really like nothing that has anything to do with like the music itself. But um, the lead single to this record was He's So Good. It came out back in February. The artwork for the single, He's So Good, is fucking amazing. It is, like, one of the most disturbingly beautiful things I've ever seen as far as, like, artwork attached to our scene. Um, And yet, it wasn't what was used for the album artwork. And that's fine. You know, I I have no fucking say in that. I, I don't know what conversations there were about the artwork, what the thought process was. Maybe it it was um you know a decision that just makes sense and I'm not I'm not seeing it from that perspective. There's something that I'm missing. You know, it's a ton of possibilities. It is what it is. It's okay. But just taking the artwork for Don't You Feel Amazing, which is very good by the way, but taking that artwork and just comparing it side by side with the artwork for He's So Good, the He's So Good art is just you you can't you can't you can't deny it, man. It's unmatched. Um. But, you know, that's just one little thing I can mention, and it has nothing to do with the music itself. So now let me get into the actual content here. This is fucking perfect. I love everything about this record. There is not a dull moment in the course of its entire runtime. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with He's So Good, because I already mentioned it. That song, just, it it's so, like, catchy and, and powerful, like, uh, for its lyricism. And just, I, I think when I... Um, when I talked about it back on my Top Artists of February episode, like way back when, I mentioned that it's a song that's subject matter I cannot identify with, yet I understand the importance of it and the impact that a song like that can have. And I think something like that is very much so necessary for this kind of a scene, or for any scene for that matter. But, you know, just like that, the message of just like acceptance or, or just like... um. I'm not good with my words, especially for a topic like the LGBT community, so I'm not even going to try and get into it. Um, That's not my place to speak on, so I'll leave it at the song is fucking amazing, and it's a message that everybody should take very seriously. Uh, You go into, uh, I think from there, the next single was Silence is Golden, which I believe I did talk about on this podcast before, and I compared it to Don Broco. It, it, It just has like that that power do it that like ferocity in its delivery and actually um there was a, a single from two years ago that i didn't even know about before hearing this record last week and that is synthetic sympathy it comes in synthetic sympathy did i say that correctly synthetic sympathy it comes in as the penultimate track for this record so catchy so vibrant it just, a, a amazing song i have no idea how it just you know passed me by how i i've missed it for the last two years that song fucks, dude. It is incredible. Uh, the title track, Don't You Feel Amazing? You know, it, it's just like this great song that I think is like, you know, grounded in alternative rock. Uh, the same case with Bad Entertainment, which features Milky Way from Wargasm. I do remember reviewing that about a month ago. I like that track a lot. Not my favorite single, but I love it. Uh, and then you go into like um, the uh, the most recent single, and it came out a couple days before the record. But um, that being Alpha Omega, which features Kamiyata Plus. Um, on paper, 
you know, a, a collaboration between Trash Boat and Kamiata Plus. I wouldn't know how that works, but hearing it, it, it is stellar. I love this track. It, it kind of it is more like new metal based than anything like alternative. Um, when I first heard it, my initial reaction was, this is what Limp Bizkit would sound like if they were a new band that had just formed over the last two or three years. It it just delivers like in that realm, and I I love that track. I think it is great. Um, and, and then you go into like the non singles that just I, I hear that I'm like I, I can easily imagine this getting singles treatment. I can imagine music videos for these songs. I can imagine audiences at trash boat shows singing these lyrics back to the band. Love without needing, Vertigo, Idios, Cannibal. These songs are, are are so powerful and like you know they kind of go into what I mentioned before about the Caskets album where everything here just. There's substance. It works so well, and I cannot get enough of any of these tracks. And then you go into Live Like a King, Die Like an Animal, which is like an interlude song that leads into All I Can Never Be. That is the song that I think, you know, if you listen to this whole record from start to finish, All I Can Never Be is the one that's probably going to stick with you the most because of how different it is from the rest of the material here. It takes influence from, like, like jazz music and just, you know... Uh, and, and much like the the Kamiata Plus collaboration, if you told me Trash Boat and, and jazz music, I wouldn't know how the fuck that's supposed to sound. Yet hearing All It Can Never Be, it is, it, it, it's just perfect, dude. I, I can't really stress that. The, the fact that this band can take so many different ideas and, and work it all into this package and show off their versatility in a way that bands really only ever dream of. It, it is astounding what they accomplished with this record. And then it goes into the closing track. That is what I was talking about earlier uh, with regards to my favorite song of last week, Maladaptive Daydreaming. You know, it, it, it's a little bit different than the rest of the material here. It, it sounds kind of different. It's like a little bit of a different pace. Um, the verses are primarily supported by like a, a drum machine in the background. It, it is the, you know, and I don't like to use like cliche phrases. It's genuinely the fucking cherry on top of this record. I could not stop listening to it for, for any fucking reason. I remember like hearing this record all the way through and my intention was to go back and listen to it again, but I just left Maladaptive Daydreaming on repeat. Just non-fucking-stop, dude. It, it, it easily my most listened to song of last week. Every song I've been talking about this whole episode, Maladaptive Daydreaming is one that I've revisited the most. And, and again, like, you know, I've, I've talked about lyricism already with, um, with other bands. I'm going to talk about it here too. I deserve it. I sold my soul after I cursed it. You should know by now that I'm not perfect. I used to feel, or used to feel so pure. Now I'm perverted. Was it worth it? Cut my nose to spite my face. Pulling teeth just to spite my taste. Beautiful to my mom at least. Beautiful to my mom at least. Beautiful to my mom at least. Just the, the, the thoughts that run through my head when I hear a song like this, like it, it, it pulls me in and it tells me that Trash Boat is an act that you know, I should have been paying attention to a long time ago. I should have been giving them their due credit a long time ago. I shouldn't have just started with Don't You Feel Amazing, but I am thankful that this record was able to show me the error of my ways and let me know that Trash Boat is one of the elite bands in our scene. They deserve every bit of success coming their way. I, I just the, the way that this record turned me around this band, because they went from a band that, you know, I was like, okay, sure, whatever, to, all right, yeah, they're pretty good. And then now I feel so insanely passionate about trash boat they are one of the best things going and not just the scene but all of music currently and i feel privileged to have been able to intake a record like don't you feel amazing and that's it 
that was every release from last week that I had to talk about, and I really, really did not want this episode to be so long, but, you know, when you have 10 records and you want to give all of them, like, equal time and dedication, that's kind of what has to happen, that has to be the outcome. Uh, next week, and I say next week because I do intend on, you know, resuming this podcast weekly, next week looks to be a lighter week for albums or and EPs, so hopefully that one is much shorter and is a lot easier to get through. Uh, I completely understand if, you know, this episode doesn't really get much traction as far as, like, full-length listens. That's totally okay. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank everybody for, um, for, you know, giving their time to me, whether that have been, like, a minute or the hour plus that this episode is extending. I, I'm very grateful for any and all support that I get. Uh, you know, I'm really trying to build this platform. And now that I have, like, the hardware setup that I've been desiring, I really, really think that I can move forward with Ulterior in a way that I wasn't able to prior. I feel like my passion for this project, this endeavor has been reignited and I, I, I'm so eager to keep it going and to bring everyone who listens to this new music every week and just give my honest thoughts on all this shit and talk about it, you know, passionately because ultimately that's how I feel about music. I just, I love music, scene music specifically. I love scene music. I'm so passionate about it. I want to share that passion with the world and I will never take for granted any bit of attention that I can gather for this platform. So all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and sign off on this episode now. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.